Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Praise God. Hallelujah. He's good. Amen. We are still in the Easter season. The one thing that um, I don't really like the way our culture is sometimes is that we have this way of celebrating a holiday and then at midnight of that night, bam, it's over. And everything switches immediately. You go to the stores, all the Easter stuff is gone. Now, what's in Mother's Day? Everything's out already. And just, we, we just rush everything. I'm happy that it doesn't work that way for Easter. This weekend, our brothers and sisters that observed the Eastern Orthodox um, way of doing things, Christianity, uh, this is the weekend that they celebrate Easter. They follow a little bit different calendar than we do. So it gives us the opportunity to extend it another week. Amen? So um, I'm going to be finishing up the series that we started at the beginning of April this weekend, continuing on the thought on what we focused on last weekend as far as the resurrection here. But I want to take it one step further. What do we do now? I would imagine the disciples thought the same thing. What do we do now? They thought Jesus was done, he was finished, he's in the grave, and he comes out of the grave. They see him that night. Then we, according to the gospel record, they don't see him for another eight days. And then they see him again, and then he's gone again. Then they see him a couple more times, and then he's gone. And every single time, they must have said to themselves, what do we do now? We started this series with the goal in mind of preparing ourselves and preparing our hearts for Resurrection Sunday. We answered the question, why did Jesus have to walk this path? We talked about the journey. We saw that the plan of God for our salvation was laid out all throughout the Bible, especially beginning in the book of Genesis. Paul preached that Jesus walked out a path that was laid out for him by the Father, as it was revealed to us in Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I believe we probably talked about this Scripture in every part of the series because the plan of God was already revealed in Scripture. They could have seen it. You see it. We see it. We see it in the beginning. We see it throughout the Old Testament into the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Say that with me. According to the scriptures. It was no surprise. The plan had been revealed from the very beginning. Amen? God told Adam and Eve that someday in their future, a savior would come and defeat the serpent and redeem us back into relationship with our creator. The following week, we talked about how the cross how at the cross, Jesus paid for our sins. His blood was shed for us through the crucifixion. We also found out that the scriptures tell us that through Jesus' death on the cross, God confirmed every promise that he ever made to mankind. 
Jesus died to activate those promises. I want you to, to understand that. I want you to grab a hold of that. I don't want you to let that slip by. Because many times we have situations in our life when we need to believe God's promise. Maybe a sickness comes or, or we lose a job or, or, or some kind of a challenge hits our life. And then it seems like we've got to start from scratch again. Does God really want to heal us? Does God really want me to prosper? Is God really looking out for me? See, you see what happens? Because we forget that at the cross, Jesus said yes and amen. What does that mean? I like to look at it this way. Yes and amen. It's done. It's sealed. It's taken care of. He said it is finished. It is complete. It has been fulfilled. So any promise that you need to appropriate in your life, resist the temptation to doubt. Resist, because what the enemy will do is the enemy will never remind you of what God did the last time. He'll never remind you of the success. He'll never remind you of the victory. What you, what you hear is this. Well, yeah, maybe it happened the last time, but you know what? You don't know what he's going to do this time. You know? You, you, know that, you, you know how people take those scriptures and say, you know, God is a mysterious God. You never know what he's going to do. And there's nothing mysterious about him. You could go read your Bible. You'll see exactly what he's going to do every single time. No mystery there. So if we would remind ourselves that at the cross, it was paid for. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, for all the promises of God in him, in Christ, are yes, and they are what? Amen. Amen. And it goes on to say, to the glory of God the Father. Now, he who has established us with you in Christ has anointed us is God. In other words, God's the originator. He's the one. He's the one behind this whole thing. Who has sealed us and given us a spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. We talked about this. How because of the cross, if it weren't for the cross, if it wasn't for the death, burial, and resurrection, you and I could not receive the Holy Spirit. There's so much that happened at the cross. I want you to remember that, please. Then, last week, we celebrated the resurrection last weekend by focusing on the empty tomb. We found out that the tomb, although it was a cold and silent place, we found out that the empty tomb speaks volumes, and it declared that Jesus is the Son of God. Our key scripture last weekend was Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised through the pro- his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. Here it is, verse four. You want to read it with me? One, two, three. And declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. What are we saying? The resurrection of the dead, the empty tomb, declared, proclaimed, shouted, this one is the son of God. This one has risen with power. There's never going to be another one like him. Amen? The empty tomb declared that Jesus is the Son of God, our Savior. By the resurrection, Jesus confirmed that he is who he said he is, that the scriptures were correct, they were accurate, that he is the bread of life, that he is the light of the world, that he himself is the resurrection and the life, that he is the great shepherd, and that he is the only way to the Father. Through his life on earth, he accomplished the plan of God, the plan that the Father had held onto in heaven that was revealed to us. And so, so we see 
As we look back on Jesus' life in the Gospels, leading to the crucifixion, leading to his burial, leading to finally, ultimately, the resurrection, that he accomplished the very plan of God that God held on to, the plan that was whispered to Mary through the archangel Gabriel and says she held on to it in her heart. That plan came to pass 100%. Number one thing we see is revelation. Revelation. Through his teaching and his ministry, Jesus revealed the Father to mankind. Could you imagine if he did not do that? Let's say Jesus shows up on the earth as an adult, maybe a week before the crucifixion, and they take him and they crucify him because he is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, right? And so that lamb had to be slain. So let's say he just went to the cross, shed his blood, went into the ground, resurrected from the dead, hung around 40 days, leaves, goes to heaven. What would happen? We'd be saved, yes? But we wouldn't know who saved us. We wouldn't know who the Father is. So he comes to the earth and spends anywhere from three to three and a half years revealing the Father, demonstrating what the Father would do, saying what the Father would say, doing what the Father would do. Amen? Sometimes we don't place as much value as we should on that aspect of his ministry, of that aspect of the plan. He came to the earth to reveal the Father. To who? To, number one, to a group of people who had forgotten about him, who had replaced Knowledge of the Father and intimacy with the Father with a bunch of rules and regulations and rituals and, and all kinds of traditions. They forgot who he was. How do we know they forgot who he was? Because when Jesus shows up, they don't know him. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Verse 7, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and it's sufficient for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? What happened? Because they replaced knowledge with God. They replaced a relationship with God with a bunch of rules and regulations and traditions and customs you know, if you come out of the same kind of background that I came from, we're satisfied to light candles. We're satisfied to spin beads. And I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm just trying to make a point here. We're satisfied of observing traditions and doing certain things and, 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 and feeling good about ourselves because we fulfilled our traditions, but we didn't know him. I could tell you every saint. I could tell you everything they stood for. I could tell you what was going on in your life, what, said, what saint to pray, for, pray to, but I didn't know him. And Jesus came to make sure that we knew the Father in heaven. Philip said, show us. Show us the Father. You imagine how frustrating it must have been for Jesus. Say frustrating, oh, he's got, no. Jesus operated as a man on the earth. I don't care who you are, you get frustrated sometimes. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long? Let you, you, you don't know me yet, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, 
But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or, or else believe me for the sake of the works I do. At least he said, at least believe the miracles. If you don't believe what I say, at least believe what I'm doing. And realize that no man could do these things except God was with him. And so we see that Jesus came. He fulfilled the very first and most important priority. Say, well, isn't that salvation? No, the first priority is knowing the Father. Because how can we have faith in Jesus as Savior if we don't know the heart of the Father that he loves us? Amen? The second thing that he accomplished is our salvation, Romans chapter 5. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Man, we could preach a week on that one. There's so many people that are obsessed with judgment, obsessed with the judgment of God. Are you listening to me? It tells us right here that since we've been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from, from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more love? We see this in the Bible constantly. You realize how many times in the Bible we see that phrase, how much more, how much more, how much more? Having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? We are saved through the life of Jesus Christ. Not only this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. What is salvation about? Reconciliation. By, by our salvation, by our declaring with our mouth that we believe of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are brought back into relationship again with God the Father. Amen. I think we forgot what it was like not to have that, or we'd be a little bit more excited about it. We forgot what it's like to walk through this world and feel constantly alone. We forgot what it was like to walk through this world and feel like we don't have anybody on our side, like this is it. We forgot what it was like to walk through this world feeling hollow and empty inside. He saved us. He filled us. He promised to be with us. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Amen? Amen. And those who place their faith in him are saved from the wrath of God to come. No punishment for those who believe and declare that Jesus is Lord over their lives. Number three. And this is important to the day and age that we are in right now. Jesus came to reveal the Father. Jesus came to accomplish our salvation. But if he had not accomplished the next thing we're going to talk about, then Christianity would have been extinguished 2,000 years ago. He also came to duplicate. He came for duplication. God's plan was for Jesus to equip and empower an army of believers stationed on the earth to carry out his ministry in every generation until he returns. Think about this. Wasn't enough. He went to the cross. That generation saw salvation before their eyes. That generation saw him risen from the dead. They saw him. They touched him. He said, come, touch, feel me. Put your hands here. They saw him eat. They saw him alive. But if he hadn't accomplished this next thing, the message would have stopped with the last witness that died. It was God's plan for Jesus to equip and empower. Say that with me. Equip and empower. 
an army of believers to be stationed. That's what we got to see ourselves like. We are an army behind enemy lines. We are here to enforce the victory that Jesus won on the cross. We need to start living like an army, soldiers. Paul said to Timothy later on, endure hardship like good soldiers. Some of us, what we want to do is party. All we want to do is just sit back. I'm a child of the king. I'm a child of the king. You're a child of the king, and the king has an army. Get on your horse, get your shield, get your sword, and get out to battle. Don't just hang around the palace eating grapes. John 14, 12, Jesus speaking said, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do because I go to my father. Verse 13, we usually stop there. But I'm prompted, when I was studying, I'm prompted, no, throw 13 next. Throw that on there. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that my father may be glorified in the son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. We like to take that phrase, that verse, and separate it. Because that's, that's, if I need anything, that's for me. No, look at the connection. Look at, look at the context. What's he saying? Hey, I'm good. remember, this is at the Last Supper. What's Jesus saying? I'm going. I got a couple of more important things to do, and after that, I'm going. You're not going to see me again. But he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And watch, and greater works. Greater. Why? Because he's going. He's leaving. Who's going to carry on? We do. And anything you ask in my name, I'll do for you. And in this context, what is he talking about? Father, I got to go pray for somebody who's sick in the hospital. I'm asking you, Lord, that when I lay hands on that person, they're going to recover. What did Jesus say? Anything you ask in my name, I'll do it. Father, I'm, I'm battling for the soul of so-and-so. I don't want to see that person go to hell. What did Jesus say? Whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it for you. You see the connection there? You see, he said, he who believes, he who believes, the things that I did, you'll do also, and greater. Greater in number, okay? Greater in number, yes? Would you agree that the, the, the army of God, the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ in the past 2,000 years since he went to heaven, more has happened through the body than happened when Jesus was here on the earth himself? Of course, he was only here three years in the ministry. There's been millions that have carried on this message since then. Duplication, duplication. Matthew chapter 28, and Jesus came and spoke to them. This is after the resurrection. Saying, all authorities be given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, or, or, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, amen. That's how he signed off. That's how he departed. That's it. What did he do? It, if we could have been there, we wouldn't have seen this physically. And then maybe again he did, I don't know. We don't have any record of it. I could see him taking this mantle and just taking it off and throwing it on the disciples and say, here, it's on you now. You take this and run with it. You bring this message. You go lay hands on the sick. You go raise the dead. You go cast out devils. You go make disciples, not just believers, 
Go make disciples. Disciples, not trophies, disciples. Teaching, teaching so that they can observe to do. Amen? Mark chapter 16. We don't talk about this verse enough. Verse 20. We like to talk about the verses before it because it's, again, it's Mark's version of, Mark, of, of Matthew 28. Matthew 28, we call the Great Commission. Mark 16 is also the Great Commission. But it's Mark. It's Mark remembering what Jesus said at that same conversation. And after he gave all these instructions, lay hands on the sick, cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. Then it tells us in verse 20, and they, who's they? The disciples, the apostles, went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through accompanying signs. What did he do? That was the fulfillment of John 14. He said, whoever believes, these are the things you're going to do. Amen? They went out and preached where? Yeah, you got real excited about that. They went out and preached where? Everywhere. Pastor, why are you so interested in, in, in planting new churches? And they went out and preached everywhere. They went out and preached everywhere. Okay? And we're not done. We're, no, we're just getting started. And I'm not kidding either. Just getting started. Why? Because that verse of Scripture has got to get fulfilled. And if not us, who? If not now, when? Got to happen. It's going to happen with us. And so far, God has been honoring the steps of faith that we've taken. God has been honoring the sacrifice that all you volunteers make. God's been honoring the finances that you've sown towards, the new, new, towards Bayville, towards everywhere else we're going. I can't talk about it right now because it's right on the tip of my tongue. He confirmed the word. You want to know how the word was confirmed recently? Praise God for the powerful weekend we experienced last week. Praise God. This was truly a resurrection weekend for the books. And the most important goal that was achieved was not the fact that between both campuses, between Brick and Bayville, we saw 2,000 people come to church that week. That's not the important, that's not the, that's not the ultimate goal, though. It wasn't the fact that we had amazing services. It wasn't the fact that people were crying in worship here, Bayville. The fact is, 116 people that we know of got out of the comfort of their seats and came forward to receive Christ. Grown men crying. We had a whole bunch of young men that came from a rehab. All, every single one of them came forward to receive Christ. And one of the service, I don't remember what it was, because they were all a blur after, after a while. One young lady ran from the back of the sanctuary, ran with tears in her eyes to get up here so that, so that we can pray together. Yeah, and, and the Lord confirmed the word with accompanying signs. How did this miracle take place? Almost all the people that responded to receive Jesus Christ were people that were invited to come to Easter service by another member of New Beginnings Church. You did it. You made it happen. 
You invited your family. You invited your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers. You invited them. Now, Jesus didn't say go forth and go invite people just to Easter. Jesus said, what? Go make disciples. Now, those of you that invited somebody that came last weekend, whether it's here or whether it's in Bayville, you are responsible. Keep them connected, especially those that responded to give their life to Christ. You have the opportunity now to disciple them. You have the opportunity now to encourage them, to help them. Oh, my God, I thank God for the people that took me serious the night that I got born again. I thank God for the, for the men and women of God that would stop by my business and, 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 and pray for me and encourage me. The ones that say, hey, listen, why don't you come to this Bible study? Why don't you come make sure you're in church next week? Make sure I want to see you in church. Call me up on the phone. How are you doing? How's everything going? I thank God for that. And that's what it takes. And some of you are in that position right now. And some of you, well, you know, pastor, I asked so-and-so to come. They didn't come. That's all right. Ask him, ask him next week. The invitation doesn't go forth just on Easter and doesn't go forth just on Christmas. This is the pattern we see in the Gospels, and this is the pattern we see in the early church. John chapter 1, verse 40. One of the two who heard John the Baptist speak and followed him, talking about Jesus, was Andrew. Say Andrew. Andrew. Simon Peter's brother. Andrew meets Jesus first. He first found his own brother. Then what does he do? He travels a great distance from where he was with John the Baptist. He, he, he sees Jesus, he meets, and he, he goes and finds Peter and says to him, we found the Messiah. Now, what kind of brother would Andrew have been? If he discovers this is the Messiah, and decides, well, you know what? What if Peter says no? What if Peter doesn't want to come? What if, because I know Peter's busy, you know, we got the fishing business up there in the Sea of Galilee. What would have happened to, to Peter? Peter would have never became Peter. Peter would have stayed Shimon. Shimon. Peter means rock. Shimon means one who just, whichever way the wind goes, that's Shimon. No backbone. Peter would have never transformed. Peter would have never became a pillar in the church. Peter would have never had the opportunity to get up on Pentecost Sunday, preach a 10-minute message, and see thousands of people respond if Andrew didn't take the step to go find Peter. John chapter 4. Jesus meets a woman at the well in Samaria. He engages in a conversation with her and begins to reveal her entire life story to her. She's amazed. And then she learns that he is the promised Messiah. In verse 27 of John chapter 4, and at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking to her? Verse 28, then the woman left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come and see a man. Say that with me. Come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And then they went out of the city and came to him. And the result of that one woman's little story 
Verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Now, now see what happened here? Watch this now. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard, the, heard him, and we know that this indeed is the Christ, the Savior of the world. Many of you invited somebody, and they came. And they came to please you. Maybe you bribed them, or maybe you told them, you don't come. And they came because of your word, come. But then they believed because of the word they heard for themselves. And that's the pattern we see in the Gospels, and that's the pattern we see all throughout the New Testament. In Acts chapter 8, many years later, the Apostle Philip goes where? To Samaria. And almost the entire region become believers because of the seeds that were planted years before by one broken woman who met Jesus. Look at me. Almost every one of us have broken people in our lives. Just about every one of us have been broken people at some point in our lives. They're in our families. They're in our neighborhoods. They're on our jobs. We're friends with them on Facebook, and we chat with them. And they all have one thing in common. They are waiting for someone to invite them. They're waiting for someone who's courageous enough to say, I met a man who changed my life. I want you to meet him too. I love the Apostle Paul. He has such a grasp of the word of God and the principles of God. And in Romans chapter 10, after he gives us the pattern of salvation, of what we're supposed to believe and what we need to do, how do we receive the salvation? Then he goes on in verse 14, and this is what he says. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. Many of you are aware of the fact that just a few days ago, I celebrated the 35th anniversary of the night that I received Christ as my Lord and Savior. I thank God for the little lady that came to my place of business, spent hours with me. She told me later on, weeks later, after I, had, after I received Christ, she said to me, I saw death on your face. I said, yeah, I know, you're right, because I was two weeks away from committing suicide. Had the plan, had put everything into motion. Thank God that that lady heard from the Holy Spirit and came based on the experience that she had had with her Lord and Savior and put aside any fear, any intimidation. She knew me. She saw how I operated in business. She may have, she may have seen me in the past throw people out of my business. She may have seen me maybe explode in anger, but she didn't care. She was more concerned about my soul than she was concerned about her feelings. Let me ask you this question. Are you more concerned about your feelings than you are about the souls of those who don't know Christ yet? 
Are you more concerned about what's going to happen? What if they say no? They say no. Well, what if they curse at me? What, you've never been cursed at before? What if they think I'm crazy? They already know you're crazy. Are they not worth it? She went out of her way. Tell me about Jesus. She went out of her way to tell me that I must be born again. Because I did the same thing that the lady in Samaria, the woman at the well did. When she started talking to me about my life and about salvation, I told her what a good person I was. Told about how many people I've helped out. Told about what a good Catholic boy I was, good Christian. She said to me, that's great. But Jesus said, you must be born again. She explained it to me, and it made so much sense. I knew I was dead already. On the, I knew I was dead on the inside. I knew there was no life in me at that point. I, there was a flicker of hope. That was just two weeks before Easter of that year. Through a series of events, I found myself in a little church on the other side of town here on Easter Sunday morning. I knew it was real. I'd never seen a spectacle like that. People jumping, people dancing, people praising God, people raising their hands. People talking in unknown languages that I had never heard before. And though I didn't understand what I was seeing with my eyes, my heart knew these people have something you have not experienced yet. And I came back on the following Wednesday night. At 9.30 that night, I don't remember getting out of my seat. I don't remember walking to the front. All I knew was open my eyes and I'm standing in front of my pastor, the gentleman that would be my pastor for the next few years at that point. <laughs> crying like a baby, 27-year-old man, crying my eyes out. And he led me in this prayer to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. I knew it was real. I was just thinking about it a couple of days ago on the night of the anniversary. I remember driving home in the car from that little church to the neighborhood that we lived and remember already sensing, whoa, something is different. Something has changed. I don't feel like the same person that walked into that church. And many of your friends and family members and coworkers experienced that here last week. Don't leave them hanging. Connect with them. Get them involved. Remind them to come to church. They need to hear the word. They need to learn just like you have learned. They need to have the opportunity to grow. They need to know this God who loved them so much that sent his only son to this earth to die for them. Give them the opportunity. Don't sit back and let the devil steal the seed out of their hearts. Be there. Fight for them. Pray for them. Encourage them. Amen? I believe that every single one of us want to be soul winners. I believe it because it's naturally ingrained in us. In fact, we have to try to resist the temptation to go tell somebody about Jesus. How do you say that, Pastor? Because that's God's heart. 
God's heart is for the lost, that the lost get saved, that the saved get filled, and that the filled grow up. And you have the life of God in you. So his desires, he's placed in you. But you've believed the lies of the devil. They don't want to hear you. You don't know what to say. You're going to make a fool out of yourself. God's saying, no, you open your mouth in faith, and I'll fill it. I'll give you the words. And if you'll pray, and this is what I've learned how to do over the years, all these 35 years, pray for the individual that you want to reach before you go and talk to that person. God wants to reach that person way more than you do. Amen? I'm going to pray for every single one of us. I'm going to pray that God would ignite that desire on the inside of us to reach others. Amen? Why don't you just bow your heads for a moment. Father, in the name of Jesus, You are the Lord of the harvest, and you desire for us to be laborers, that we would go out into the fields, that we would go out and seek and save that which is lost, because that's your heart, and your heart is in us. The Bible tells us that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who came to live inside us when we received Christ as our Savior. Now, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for every person that's listening to me, that you would ignite a fire on the inside of every single one of us, that we would not be content to see our loved ones go to hell. We would not be content to see our neighbors go to hell. We would not just be content to see our coworkers just drift off into eternity separated from you. But Father, that you would put us on assignment in the lives of those around us to pray for them, to reach them, to invite them, to speak to them and to treat them as if they already are saved as an act of faith. And Father, I pray for the work of the Holy Spirit to work in each and every one of us, to bring that flame of fire to just full manifestation, that we would not rest until we reach every lost person that is in our sphere of influence, whether it be extended family, whether it be coworkers, whether it be neighbors, whether it be friends. Father, I trust you to do that work in every single one of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Pray that this message has stirred something up in you. I pray that we would act like every single weekend is Easter, and we would, be, we would have that passion to reach out to as many people as possible. Amen? Amen. amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.